This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law joining us via Skype. Good morning, Professor Gershon. How are you today? Great, Liz. Good morning and very happy to be talking about uh, elections and voting because they're the way that we in this this country can uh, if we don't like things, we can actually change things in a, in a peaceful manner by uh, voting and running for office. That's right. And we'd like to welcome to In Legal Terms this morning, Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns from the League of Women Voters of Mississippi. And this morning, we're going to talk about uh, what the League does, the history of the League. And I'm intrigued that they have nonpartisan positions on different issues. So, um, Carolyn, why don't you go ahead and start? Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your before you joined the League life. Um, I'm a social worker and um, I've all my life really have been concerned about uh, women's issues and children's issues. Um, and I was introduced to the League uh, by a good friend and uh, was immediately taken in by wonderful men and women um, who were concerned about the same things I was concerned about. Um, and it has been a wonderful trip for me uh, to to be able to uh, facilitate change, to help folks get registered to vote, to encourage people to vote, um, to, to work a hotline. Those have been fun things for me to do. W- ways to make you feel vibrant and part of the, 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 the heartbeat of our state. Right, right. <laughs> and what about you, uh, Marianne Everett? Uh, tell us, how did you get involved? What was your history before you joined the League of Women? I'm also a social worker. That's how Carolyn and I met, was at work. Um, I joined the League from... uh because a good friend was involved in it and um, was very interested in uh, all the issues that the League supports. Uh, It's a a very interesting organization and uh, an empowering one for women and men and... uh, the history of it is also very interesting and all the things the League has done through the years since it was founded. And uh, we hope that it will continue in Mississippi for a long time. Well, it's uh, 2019 now. Uh, tell us, uh, when did the League start? I'm sure there's not anyone who's listening to us who hasn't heard of the League of Women Voters. It was February 14th, 1920. It was formed originally during... Uh, 
uh, a meeting of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. That was uh, held six months prior to the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote in the United States. It began as a mighty political experiment designed to help 20 million women carry out their new responsibilities as voters. It encouraged them to use their new power to participate in shaping public policy. From the beginning, it has been an activist, grassroots organization where, whose leaders believe that citizens should play a critical role in advocacy. And it was then and is now a nonpartisan organization. The League founders believed that maintaining a nonpartisan stance would protect the fledgling organization from becoming mired in party politics of the day. However, League members were encouraged to be political themselves by educating citizens about and lobbying for government reform legislation. Can you imagine what our country would be like now if half the country or even a quarter of the country had that kind of passion to participate and be excited about being included in the the voting block? Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) I can't imagine that women didn't have the right to vote before 1920. (laughs) Right. right. Uh, And I think it was a long struggle uh, they went through to get that right. Okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how it came, it filtered to Mississippi, and uh, how how does the league operate in Mississippi? The league uh, in Mississippi was formed or established sometime in the 1940s. We're mm-hmm. not real sure of the exact de- date. Uh, our best historian, uh, a person who, Fran Lieber, who had been a member of the League for 50 years, knew all the information <laughs> because she was here. <laughs> but uh, she passed away in 1918, in 2018, uh-huh. and we certainly miss her. Right. Uh, sometime in the 1940s, the League of Women Voters of Mississippi was formed, and... Uh, Uh, and we, at one time, the league, uh, we had local leagues in Jackson, Natchez, Pearl, Pearl River County, the Gulf Coast, Hattiesburg, Vicksburg, Meridian, Starkville, Oxford, and there may be, have been more of which we are not aware. Oh, wow. Um that, that's quite a, a base all over the state. Right. It certainly is. It was in, The League of Women Voters of Mississippi was incorporated in 1978. And I thought at first that was when they were, were established. But I talked to a person, uh, a member of the League, who has been a member here a long time. And she said it was sometime in the 1940s. Oh, all right. Right. Let's let's go back a little bit to the the, the national organization. You you've mentioned and men, so it's not just for women and women issues. Yes, it was sometime in the nineteen forties, I believe, when the National League uh, 
offered members, full members, voting membership to men. I think men probably had always been involved because many of these women had husbands who were equally supportive of, of women and women's right to vote and the issues that women face. And what what were some of the the issues that the league first got its uh, its uh, ideas around, or some of the first positions that they championed? Do you know? Yes, I can tell you. Um, in the 1920s, uh, that they were mostly getting organized, uh, right. and the, it, it spread quickly uh, throughout the nation. And uh, by 1924, there were national leagues organized in 346 of 433 co- congressional districts. They quickly got involved in influencing policy and began advocating support for the Cable Act, or Independent Citizenship of Married Women, which became law in 1922, and the League sponsored their first Get Out the Vote campaign. Okay, so getting voter education was an early part of the League. Particularly (laughs) women who were newly... allowed to vote, uh, to get them registered, and then to get them involved in public policy issues and to educate them about uh, the issues they would be voting on as new (laughs) voting citizens. Right. And if you think about the 40s, uh, when when we began in Mississippi, uh, that was right around the World War II era when the men were all gone. Right. The women were taking responsibility, not just for the home, but for work, for labor. And so they began to feel empowered. Right. So th- I think that was a sort of an underlying cause for, for folks to get, um, get organized. Right, right. During the 1930s, uh, with the Depression, uh, membership fell off uh, from the League nationally, uh, and because of the gas rationing, women began to meet in the ho- in their homes in their local communities, and right. I really think that's probably was the start of the local leagues and the state leagues before it had been always a national organization. Oh. And during the 1930s, then, because they couldn't travel, they couldn't right. afford to buy gas, uh, they started meeting more locally, and uh, that's my guess that that's when state and local leagues were formed. What intrigues me so much about your organization for today, you know, January of 2019, is that it's nonpartisan. How have you? How do you see that as a as a benefit? And that's a very difficult uh, issue for us. But but we are nonpartisan, which means we do not support or oppose any candidate, right, or any political party. Um, And it is important because legislation requires working across the aisles, both parties. Uh, And so it's very important that we maintain uh, our position of dealing with issues. We don't deal with people or candidates. We deal with issues. And so many of our issues cross party lines. They're they're not um, they're not partisan issues. Uh, we talk about education. You know, everybody is concerned about education. So um, 
But when we have debates, for instance, when a, uh, during uh, prior to an election, uh, we work very hard to make those uh, nonpartisan so that uh, people don't come in thinking this is a Republican or this is a Democratic uh, forum. So we work hard at that. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about uh, the past and uh, present issues. We need to take our break. Uh, We are talking with our guests, Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns of the League of Women Voters of Mississippi. And Liz, you know, one thing people might be wanting to know is when is Mississippi's next election day? And uh, we can talk about that when we come back from break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. We realize that not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. And I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Life. Allah, he's joining us live via Skype. And this morning, we're talking with Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns of the League of Women Voters of Mississippi. And uh, Professor Gershon, you teased us when uh, the next election day is. Yes, Liz. Uh, Governor Bryant has set March 12th for special elections for three House seats that are vacant because three former lawmakers became judges. Uh, the first was uh, Representative Willie Perkins of Greenwood, who's now a Chancery Court judge, and he was the representative from House District 32, and also he was chair of uh, the uh, North Mississippi Rural Legal Services, we've had them on uh, in the past. He, as a judge, cannot, can no longer serve in that capacity, so we're going to miss him uh, in that regard. But we need to fill his seat. Also, uh, former Representative Adrian Wooden of Jackson's now a circuit judge, and she was uh, the representative from House District 71 in Hines County. And finally, former Representative Brad Touchstone of Hattiesburg is now a county and youth court judge in Lamar County, and he represented District 101. So again, those Uh, elections for those seats are going to be on March 12th. All right. So we'll have to you'll you'll start seeing those political signs (laughs) all over the place. We're talking with our guests from the League of Women Voters Mississippi. If you have a question about uh, the league and their issues and any of their actions, we would love for you to participate in our show. Our number is one eight seven seven 
MPB Ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, voter education was uh, a part of the, the league from the founding. Tell us what all you do for that. Well, uh, voter education uh, involves lots of things, not only uh, about the candidates, but also about where to vote, uh, how to, to be sure that you are registered. So we do a lot of that, and we also educate people, uh, the public, uh, about the issues that are going to be, for instance, before the legislature, which, which has just started. Um, for, for elections, uh, our, our local leagues um, or the state league uh, sponsors uh, debates and forums uh, televised, um, and have the candidates come before a live audience, usually, though sometimes uh, not. But we do our best to let the candidates talk about their positions, their issues, what they what they see as their goal uh, in seeking whatever position they're seeking. Um, but we also have meetings where we talk about uh, the issues. We produce a, a, a voter's guide every um, for statewide elections, um, and we used to put that on the Clarence Ledger's um, uh, media system, but um, now with, we're trying to get updated and a little more current with our technology. Uh, so we do have that on our website uh, for people to go to. Um, and um, that has been very uh, helpful to us. This was our first year to do that, and so we had a little growing pains. <laughs> but um, but that was a wonderful uh, addition that we had to our uh, voter service programming. So this organization would be a fantastic way for individuals who wanted to participate in the political process, but maybe not serve themselves, this is quite a way they can make a difference in informing the public. Absolutely. Our uh, our, our biggest push probably is voter registration. And we go to high schools, uh, to community colleges, to senior colleges, technical schools, uh, malls. Uh, we have two leagues that go uh, pretty constantly, uh, sometimes weekly, to um, farmer's market events. Uh, anytime there's going to be a gathering of people, you're going to find league members there <laughs> registering, registering people. Um, a couple of our leagues are going to be active at Martin Luther King's celebrations uh, coming uh, right up, and, um, and they will be registering um, voters at the, those events uh, also. Well, we're so glad to hear, and we have a call. We have uh, Bill, who is calling in. Uh, Bill, we're so glad you've called in today to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Oh, well, we're having a little bit of trouble with Bill. Uh, hold on a moment. And tell us more about 
getting arranging the debates. Do, have you found in the past if you've you've been the people have been candidates have been receptive to participating in debates? Uh, truthfully, uh, our incumbents all over the state uh, don't feel the need. Uh, as much as those who are opposing them uh, because their their name recognition is already there and they've been active, they've held their position and so they think that the public knows about them and so they're not quite as eager to to participate and that is not to say that they all feel that way. Many, many of our incumbents do participate in our forums and debates but they are the ones that would be the least likely uh, well, to participate. That'll be interesting with this coming up here because I don't know that there's an is there incumbent for any of the, the, the state offices. Professor Gershon, are there in, have you heard of anybody who's keeping their same state jobs? It seems like a lot of people are changing this. I mean, I know some uh, have filed to uh, apply for new offices, and that's that's a good thing. But uh, yeah, we don't have a lot of incumbents this, this coming time. We won't. I, I'm cu- go ahead. I'm curious about one thing that I can that I can ask the league about. Do you think that we'll ever get to a point where we'll have online voting, uh, which would open up the process to a lot more people? That's one thing the league strongly supports. It, well, first is online voter registration. And early voting, and then eventually online voting. I think we have a ways to go to get there. Uh, we're, we're, our first hurdle is uh, online voter registration and early voting, and we hope that one day we can get to online voting. That'd be great. All right. Well, we do have Bill now on. Uh, n- n- no, we don't have. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, hi there, Bill. Go ahead. Thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Yes, I wanted to make a comment and and have you respond to it, if you could, please. Uh, I believe that uh, women have always had the right to vote. They just didn't have the privilege. And let me explain. Rights are given by God. So women have always had the right to vote. Privileges are given by the government. They weren't given the privilege to vote, so that's that's my comment. Just like I have the, I have the privilege to drive. I don't have a right to drive. I have a license given by the state that gives me the privilege to drive. But men and women, I believe, just like it says in the Constitution, men are, uh, are given inalienable rights. So that's my comment. If you understand, I'll let you respond. Thank you, Bill. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I do agree. You know, we should have had the privilege of voting uh, earlier. Um, but I do understand, and there are some uh, semantics there we don't have to. But what we do know is that women can vote now, and those votes can count. And uh, if women look at the issues, they'll, they'll know how to vote. It's important that we get people voting. Registering is wonderful, but if you don't follow up with voting, then your voice is still not heard. All right. And we'd love for you to participate in our show. If you're listening today, uh, give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. 
672-7464. Marianne, were you going to say something? Yes, I want to correct something I said earlier about the men being allowed to join the League of Women Voters. It was not until 1974 All right. that the national bylaws were changed, which gave men full voting membership in the League of Women Voters. I guess they finally recognized there were uh, some men out there helping us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing, Carolyn, you'd mentioned before was the hotline. Tell us about the hotline. Um, the league is um, in this area, in the Jackson area, um, has had um, for years a hotline where people can call in d- during an election day if they have problems at their polling place, if they don't know where they're supposed to vote, uh, if they um, if, if somebody didn't Help me, Mary. I'm trying to think of some other issues. Um, we've had people... Didn't have who, transportation. Yeah. One thing. All, all, we get all kinds of calls where people are just having some kind of issue with voting. And um, so we can... We have connection with the Secretary of State's office, so if they don't know where they're supposed to vote, we can get on that computer while we're talking to them and um, and tell them where they're supposed to vote. So that's been that's been very helpful, and that's what most of our calls are about. One, one thing, though, that our online voter guide had this year was people could put in their address, and then it would tell them where their precinct, voting precinct, uh, oh, was right. for them to go vote if they were not sure about where it is they actually voted. All right. And new voters often have that concern. I know the circuit clerks are mailing out voter uh, registration cards, but I think some people must misplace that. <laughs> <laughs> you get so much junk mail nowadays. A lot of times people people don't answer their phones and they don't look at their mail. Yeah. Well, it's time for us to take another break. We're talking with Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns from the League of Women Voters Mississippi. We'd love for you to participate with our show. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. And, you know, Liz, I think there might be some people who want to run for office, and we have some important dates for them when we come back from the break. Uh, you're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All right, you're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Gershon is our expert from the University of Mississippi School of Law in Oxford. And our guests today are Mary Ann Everett and Carolyn Towns from the League of Women Voters, Mississippi. All right, so we 
do not have an incumbent governor. We won't have an incumbent lieutenant governor. We won't have an incumbent uh, attorney general. Uh, We won't have an incumbent secretary of state. We won't have an incumbent treasurer. What else have we got? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we mentioned that uh, we would uh, give some dates for people who want to run for offices since there will be some vacancies. And I've actually been happy over the past couple of years with participation by different groups, a lot more women running for office, a lot more minorities running for office. And the way people can participate is they got to make sure they file their qualifying papers in time. Uh, Wednesday, January 2nd was the first day to submit qualifying papers, but the deadline to enter is March 1st. So, you know, that's coming quickly. Party primaries are in August and the general election is in November. It's coming up. Well, one of the things that was fascinating to me about the League of Women Voters nationally and in Mississippi is that it's uh, nonpartisan and you select an issue, research about it, and then come up with a position on it. How are issues selected? Mostly mostly based on uh, some problem that comes up or some... um, controversy then then the league uh, has to determine based on our value system um, you know what where we stand and we do that through consensus um, the league members uh, research the issues and maybe I can uh, t- take an example the la- the thing that was the last um, money in politics yeah we did money in politics but uh, we already had a position. Oh, I know. It was a privatization uh, issue uh, for both education, prison systems, you know. Uh, and so um, our national office does most of the research for us so that we, you know, they have much more uh, access to, to data. Oh, Carolyn, you, you, you just burst my bubble. I was <laughs> I was envisioning you and Marianne out there uh, <laughs> canvassing and researching. But then at our local leagues, um, different members will take um, a position and talk about it. And, um, for instance, we would take um, prison a privatization of the prison system and so, so our members would somebody would take one side and somebody would take the other and we would talk to our membership about it uh, we would have programs and um, and then we we don't call it voting but we talk about it the members then talk about it and we come up with either a consensus to um, oppose it a consensus to uh, support it in some cases, we can't reach a consensus, and we have to tell national, you know, we, we can, can make a decision on this one. And so national then takes all the, the reports from every uh, state agency, state league, um, and makes a determination of where the membership. It is a grassroots organization, so it's the members who make those decisions and um, determines the consensus and the position. Oh, okay. So the the national organization would have a position, but it all comes from all of the, the grassroots individuals. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. 
what uh, what are some of the issues that uh, national has has made statements on that Mississippi maybe hasn't agreed with or that they have uh, is there anything that they've they've strongly agreed with I think we strongly agree with all of their uh, positions on uh, things yeah. um, they usually have to do with equal access uh, non-discrimination uh, voters rights uh, things like that okay uh, better government right yes Okay. Well, uh, Marianne, why don't you, you, you look like you're getting ready to tell us something. Share some more I information with us. I just going to highlight some of the things the National League has done through the years. Oh, that's good. Uh, I thought it, this was interesting. In the 1940s, uh, the league was invited by President Harry Truman to serve as consultant to the U.S. delegation at the United Nations Charter Conference in 1945. Uh, the League had expressed support for the U.N., the World Bank, and International Monetary Fund. To date, the League has continued its presence at the, at the United Nations through its one official and two alternate observers. Um, the League reached its peak membership in the 1960s uh, the, in response to the growing civil rights organiz- uh, crisis. Uh, the League directed its energies to build a solid foundation of support for equal access to education and employment. Uh, the League also added apportionment to the national program and supported presidential suffrage for the residents of Washington, D.C. In 1969, the League was one of the first organizations calling for the United States to uh, normalize relations with China. All right. It's it, what quite a history of uh, of Activision. One thing that's in the, the present and in the near future, lots of organizations have Capital Day, and you all have one coming up. We do. What day well, that <laughs> It's in February. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 12th, I think. And, and what... What will what will your members do? What are they given a direction uh, directive? We have a legislative uh, liaison. She is our registered lobbyist, and her committee will be coming up very shortly with a legislative agenda. Mm-hmm. She attends a meeting uh, where all the legislation that's being presented uh, is discussed and uh, some people have different opinions about it and the league then, the, this legislative committee looks at legislation that like education we're always involved in some kind of educational legislation anything to do with voting uh, like uh, online voter registration or early voting, things like that and I understand there's some uh, legislation this year that will be brought uh, up by that about that so I know we will be supporting that uh, but on on legislation day that where we go uh, all of our members uh, try to make an appointment with their uh, representative or senator uh, so that they can talk about where we stand on a on a particular, a particular bill we can lobby that day well I understand you're nonpartisan and don't support uh, particular candidates but have any 
particular candidates come to uh, the organization and asked for assistance or or tried to uh, not necessarily sway you, but uh, get, get your knowledge? A lot of times uh, when we're having an election, uh, the candidates want to come speak to a meeting of the local League of Women Voters, and we cannot allow that unless the uh, two the opposition candidate oh, is also right. going to speak, but we would not have just one candidate speaking okay. at a time. That would be more like a forum <laughs> <laughs> or a debate. Uh, but, but no, we cannot have political candidates one at a time speaking to the league members. All right. Uh, I am a, a website junkie. A lot of times I mean, will get into it and you start at one website and go to another to another. And the you've mentioned trying to when the next election comes up, trying to have your voter guide on the League of Women Voters of Mississippi's website, and that is LWV League of Women Voters dash MS dot ORG. Correct. All right. LWV dash MS dot ORG. And we will have that website on our website for this show, which will be up later today. Great. Let's uh, talk some more about uh, uh, issues that the organization has. I, I found it very interesting. I, you two ladies are from the, the state organization, but each of the there's a Jackson chapter, a uh, Gulf Coast chapter, uh, Pine Belt, Pine Belt, and, and Oxford's uh, North Mississippi's yeah, coming up. Right. Yeah. When we became the co-presidents, there were only two local leagues in the state. That was Jackson and the Gulf Coast. And one of our goals as co-presidents was to increase the number of leagues. All right. So uh, the first opportunity came in Hattiesburg uh, when someone from another who had moved here from another state and had been a league member there contacted us and about forming a league in Hattiesburg and we were delighted Carolyn and I rushed down there to meet with them <laughs> a, a group of women who were interested in beginning the league there are certain steps that people have the an org, that a group has to go through to become recognized as a league and then later last year we had a contact uh, from someone in Oxford who had also moved in from another state and had been a league uh, member in uh, I believe South Carolina she Correct. was and uh, we went up there and met with that group on two different occasions uh, to talk about forming the league and the steps they would need to do. And now Oxford is our largest local league with over 100 members, so we're delighted. And then just yesterday, we met with... Uh, two people from Meridian who are interested in forming a league. We have been to Meridian once, Carolyn and I have, to meet with a group of women and now, now they are they were considering whether or not they wanted to become a league and now they have decided they do want to and we're real excited this about that. This is an exciting time and we have another call to go to. We're glad to bring in Ms. Payne. Uh, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. 
Yes, thank you. I am a member of League and the backup support team for our co-presidents. I wanted to say our legislative day is Tuesday, February the 20th. Thank you, Deirdre. (laughs) And we will be meeting prior to that time in downtown Houston. In addition to going to our website, you can also visit our Facebook page, League of Women Voters of Mississippi. Oh, that's always uh, sometimes an easier way to, to get information. Thank you for giving us that information. And thank you for everything the three of you have done. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Well, it's time for us to take our last break. Uh, Our number to call if you want to participate in our show about the League of Women Voters of Mississippi with our guests, Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-672. 7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. And we haven't forgotten about you, Professor Gershon. Well, Liz, I think it's important for people to know whether they are registered or not as they think about voting in these elections. And we'll tell them how they can make sure about that when we come back from break. Uh, This is in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms today. But if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app, as are all our local shows. And the third way you can listen to it is podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to us. Uh, that way you'll be sure when you refresh your podcast platform, you'll know about any new updates. I am Liz Gill, and I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Uh, And we're talking about elections and the League of Women Voters today. Right, Liz. And uh, one of the things we said we would cover uh, at the end of the last segment was uh, how people can know whether they're registered to vote or not. And we've had the Secretary of State on our our show before and talked about how good the Secretary of State's website is. Uh, Great information there about lots of things, but there's something about voting as well and elections. And you can go to sos.ms.gov, which is their Secretary of State website. It has y'all vote there and you can uh, print out a voter registration form, check to see if you're already registered, uh, see the voter information guide and learn about county elections that are coming up. Really good source of information. Uh, our guests, uh, Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns from the League of Women Voters, are sporting lovely patriotic y'all vote shirts. Carolyn is wearing her shirt with a white turtleneck, while Marianne has is, is, uh, got a red turtleneck under her blue patriotic red, white, and blue uh, y'all vote t-shirts. <laughs> 
fashion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, we have another call uh, on the line. We would like to welcome Lee uh, to In Legal Terms. Thanks for being part of our show today, Lee. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. To all of the guests. This is um, something for Professor Dershwin. would like to know that where does Mississippi stand with the gerrymandering? We see that in North Carolina from November of this past year in the congressional election, there has been a standstill with the vote over there. And want to know, has gerrymandering been a positive or a negative effect on races here in Mississippi? throughout our recent history. Well, I think gerrymandering has been a problem for uh, really every state that's uh, had it because it really can uh, limit representation in uh, certain districts by uh, having the district drawn in such a way that even though maybe there might be a majority of uh, people who would vote a different way, uh, then, uh, you know, then the vote comes out. Uh, the district is drawn in such a way that uh, can assure that a certain party can win that district. So gerrymandering, it really limits people's rights. And I think I'm glad you asked that question. It's something that we need to take seriously, not just in Mississippi, but throughout the whole country. All right, Lee, we appreciate you uh, calling in today and bringing up that topic. Thank you. Now we're going to get back with uh, Mary Ann Everett and Carolyn Towns from the League of Women Voters. We've talked some about some of the accomplishments of the national organization. Let's let's toot Mississippi's horn a little bit. Tell us some of the, the history and the legislation and the impact the L- League of Women Voters Mississippi has made. Okay. Uh, they This is before our time. Worked on legislation to allow women to serve on juries. Okay. Worked to abolish the poll tax. Played a role in creating a commission for women. Worked on legislation to provide for statewide equalization of tax assessments. Worked on legislation to improve legislative procedures. Worked on compulsory attendance and kindergarten for schools. Uh, one of our longtime members told me that uh, during the 60s that the League members were called communists because our organization was integrated, and also we uh, supported public kindergartens. Oh, all right. So we must have been communists at that time. <laughs> uh, worked on 16th section land reform, fought, fought against discrimination in education, employment, and housing. Worked on the successful 1984 education reform package and educators funding played a leading role in education law reforms widening the absentee ballot allowing 18 year olds to vote registering by mail motor voter law and centralized voting system advocated advocated for campaign finance reform, open records and meetings, helped with the passage of the Administrative Procedures Act, fought against nuclear waste storage in the salt domes, worked for land use planning and signed scenic stream legislation, worked on uh, for the success of the 20,000 
2007 Mississippi Adequate Education Program, advocate for children at risk and early education, advocate for tobacco tax, uh, was very active in the uh, campaign for Initiative 42, uh, which was to fully fund MAEP. And uh, advocate, always an advocate for public education and health issues, uh, land use, and uh, other issues of that nature. Some some hits and some <laughs> misses. Yes, yes. <laughs> all all uh, very gallant and uh, noble ideas. Recently, though, we've also taken a position on changing the state flag, for instance. Yes. Oh, tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, well, we uh, during the previous uh, time when we uh, were. We were voting on whether to change the state flag. Uh, our state league took a position, wrote letters to the editor, uh, and uh, generally advocated uh, for that. There was no legislation. That was initiative on the ballot. Uh, so, um, but we did take a, a, change, a stand on that. Um, we we took a stand nationally and uh, in Mississippi uh, in opposition to the placement of a citizenship question uh, on the census oh. application. Um, that's not an application. No, it's the the, the census, census form that right. fill out. Form. Um, we are opposed to that. Okay. Uh, uh, to both that and the and the current flag, based on its effect on anybody uh, who who might uh, be intimidated, might feel threatened, um, and and uh, discouraged in any way from voting. We want everybody to be able to vote, and. Um, safe and safely and without feeling intimidated. Fantastic. Well, we just have one minute left. Uh, what's coming up? I, I, I noticed from the website that your League of Women Voters in Oxford have regular meetings August through November, January through June, the second Thursday. And that's on your website, uh, lwv-ms.org. Uh, what else is coming up in the month or so. Anything? Well, legislation is, I mean, we will be following legislation and uh, may be sending out calls to action. Our National League sends out calls to action on uh, national, uh, congressional uh, legislation. And I can't remember the last one we got, but it was very recent. Yeah. Uh, well, and we'll also be working on big celebration uh, in 2020, which will be our 100th anniversary. Uh, and uh, also it will be the anniversary for the passage of the 19th Amendment. So um, we'll be doing a lot of work all over the state 
helpful. We'll, for have that. To, we'll have to get updates on that. Thank you both so much. We appreciate you coming in. Marianne Everett and Carolyn Towns have been our guests for the League of Women Voters Mississippi. And for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Our board engineer today has been Jay White, and Java Chapman has helped us with our phones. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. But we hope you'll join us next week, next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.